It is October 5th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. There's a lot to talk about this week, and it's kind of a tough spot in the sport right now because we started the year so hot. The first half of this year was historically good. It was incredible. Go back and look at the fights. Pretty much every week or two, you had something exciting to look forward to in the sport of boxing. For the last couple of months, it's been pretty light. We did have the Usyk-Joshua fight. We did have Shakur Stevenson. We had Canelo Triple G, which turned out to be a dud. And from the midway point to now, has really been hit or miss. This weekend, we have a really fun card, under-the-radar type of card. It is the return of Sebastian Fundora. The towering inferno. If you haven't seen Fundora, to me, he's a must-see guy. At 154 pounds, this guy stands at six foot five. Six five, 154. Southpaw with high volume. He's really a freak. And I mean that in the best positive way. He is outstanding inside. If you look at this guy, 6'5 fighter, you'd say, okay, that's an outside type fighter. He's going to keep this distance. He's going to keep the range. He's going to pump the jab. No. <laughs> he can use a jab. Don't get me wrong. But this is a guy at 6'5 who likes to stand toe-to-toe with you in the pocket and exchange power shots. This dude is all action, fun to watch. He's the type of guy, you pay to see him, you're getting your money's worth. He's fighting this Saturday in the main event against Carlos Ocampo. Carlos Ocampo, out of Mexico, is a tough, tough fighter. He began his career relatively unknown in Mexico, worked his way through the ranks, got a title shot when he was 22-0 against Earl Spence Jr. He only lasted one round in that fight, pretty much went for it all and got stopped at the end of the first round. So I'm not saying he would have given Errol Spence a good fight or anything like that, but you know at this at a high level, the first round is usually a feeling out type round. Errol Spence didn't feel him out. He went for the kill and got him out of there. But since then, since that first round knockout at the highest level he's ever got to, this guy is 12-0 since with eight knockouts. He's worked his way up, obviously, in a new division now at 154. And he's up again against a huge, huge task in Sebastian Fundora. Sebastian Fundora, like I said, all killer, no filler. This guy is vicious. If you don't believe me, ask Erickson Lubin. Go back and watch that fight. That's a fight of the year candidate. Fundora was down in that fight, got up. To win a brutal, brutal war. And really sent Eric Lubin to the hospital. And rearranged his face in the process. So Campo. It's going to be tough. It's going to be extremely difficult for him to do anything to Fundora. Based on the size. Based on the volume. But with that being said. Ocampo is an exciting type fighter as well. He's a great body puncher. He's a tough Tough out. Like I said, the only loss he has is to Earl Spence Jr. Um, every other guy he's he's gone through. He is 34 and 1. 
So I expect a high action fight. I don't think Ocampo is going to win the fight. I think it's extremely difficult to um, to pick him in this fight. But I expect an entertaining one because of both guys' styles. This should be fun. This should be... Um, this could be another war for Sebastian Fondora, who's really turned out fight after fight after fight of entertaining action. The fight with Lubin was great. The fight with Sergio Garcia was a little tricky. I didn't think that was his best performance, but before that, he knocked out Jorge Cota. He knocked out Nathaniel Gallimore. Um, Fondora's the real deal. Ocampo worked his way back up to this spot. I'm sure he realizes this may be his only other opportunity to really cement himself as a top fighter. He's 26 years old. He's been on this stage before. We'll see how he responds now that he's had a taste and worked his way back. That is this Saturday. That is on Showtime. I believe the card begins usually a late card over there. It's, it's on the West Coast. So um, I think it's around 10 p.m. Eastern. That that fight will, or that card rather, will take place. Um, and it's a loaded card. It's a, it's a triple header. Also on that card is Carlos Adamas versus Juan Montiel. Two middleweight brawlers. Um, Juan Montiel, probably most noted for his, his loss against Jamal Charlo. A lot of people gave Jamal Charlo some, some crap in that fight because he got rocked. Listen, I, I thought he won t- 10 or 11 rounds, but that's, that's boxing for you. Guy... Dominates for 10 or 11 rounds, loses a round, and people say, oh, he didn't look that good. No. Charlo looked great in that fight, but Montel also came out of it looking great. He looked like a warrior. He took some huge shots, and in the process, he rocked Charlo late in that fight. So this should be a good one. Carlos Adamas coming off the victory against Dervinchenko. Beat the hell out of Dervinchenko in that fight. So these are two heavy hitters. I do not see this one going the distance. This is something that if it stopped early, I think that means Carlos Adamas got the victory. If it's a later stoppage, I think that means Juan Montiel stick around, stuck around and did some damage late. I think Adamas is the more explosive fighter, but Montiel has this awkwardness to him and this toughness that if you don't get him out of there early, he is going to hurt you late in the fight. This should be a fun one. And opening the card... You have Fernando Martinez against Herwin Ancajas. Um, these guys fought before. That was a great battle. Back and forth action. They're running it back again. Um, I'd like Martinez again in this fight. He won the first one. But you never know. It can go either way. When two highly skilled fighters have shared the ring already before or previously, it's hard to predict what's going to happen again. Both guys are familiar with each other. But it, it should be an all-action affair. Triple header is literally... Could end up in three knockouts. That's how good this card is. Um, but it's really an under-radar card. And if you've been paying attention, Showtime hasn't missed on a card. I think going back to the entire 2021 and so far this year, the only card I can think of that didn't deliver for the Showtime non-pay-per-view cards was the snooze fest between Guillermo Rigondeaux and John Riel Casimiro. That was a fight that I was looking forward to. And it just was extremely boring. There wasn't many punches thrown at all. Rigondeaux displayed some great skill in the fight. He definitely did a good job of avoiding punches. But there wasn't many to avoid. It was just more of a, an exhibition of 
movement and footwork than it was a high-level boxing match. They're also doing a YouTube portion of this card, which will be earlier, I believe 7 or 8 p.m. it begins. I'm not sure how many fights are on that, but there's definitely one that is must-see, and that's Michael Fox versus Mean Machine. If you don't know Mean Machine, um, he's probably most known for knocking down Terrence Crawford, and he also had a good fight with Virgil Ortiz. Michael Fox was robbed last year terribly against Maestre. Um, really one of the worst robberies you could ever possibly see. It was that bad. It was just blatant favoritism for the prospect Gabriel Maestre, who is a good fighter, but Michael Fox boxed his ears off in that fight and deserved the victory, but he did not get it. So it, it's tough. You got Mean Machine coming off two big losses uh, against Ortiz and Crawford. And Michael Fox coming off a robbery. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't find a way to get this on Showtime. I think it deserves to be on Showtime. But maybe more eyeballs will see it on YouTube. So that could be a positive here. I like Michael Fox. But Mean Machine can hit hard, as you know. Um, knocked down Terrence Crawford before. So this has all the makings of a really fun fight. This is a welterweight matchup that I think could steal the night. But that remains to be seen. Showtime does have a great card on its main main show. So that is on the pre-show on YouTube. Definitely check that fight out. Even if you don't watch it live, go back and watch it because I'm sure this is going to be a good one. Also this weekend, earlier in the day, it's supposed to take place. And I say supposed to because we had a banned substance being tested for and was positive by one Connor Ben. We're supposed to get the matchup between the rivalry that's been going on for years. And that is... Connor Ben against Chris Eubank Jr. Connor Ben, the son of Nigel Ben, Chris Eubank Jr., of course, the son of his father, Chris Eubank Sr., who had a big rivalry with um, Nigel Ben in the past in the UK. It wasn't too big over here in the States, but it was a massive uh, rivalry in the UK. They had a fight before, and their sons were trying to rekindle the rivalry in different weight classes. There was a, weight, a catch weight going on. Connor Ben campaigns at 147. Chris Eubank Jr. fights at 160. They decided to come to a, a catch weight of 157. But that fight is in jeopardy because um, Connor Ben tested positive for clomiphene. And I believe clomiphene is an estrogen enhancer, something that could double your, your level of testosterone, from what I've been reading. Um, not too familiar with the substance, but I'm sure if you're into bodybuilding or or um, things like that, you may have heard of this. Um, I believe Brock Lesnar tested positive for it in the past. So clearly something that uh, Conor Ben shouldn't have been taking when you're punching someone in the face for a living. Um, pretty ridiculous that they're even thinking about going on with the fight, but that's boxing, man. It's the wild, wild west. We recently saw it with Oscar Valdez, who tested positive for a banned substance, and they let him continue with the fight. It's ridiculous. What's the point of testing these guys if you're going to let them fight? If you're not going to um, test them, that's fine. Whatever. That's something that they agree on. If they all agree to not test each other and they want to take whatever they want, that's perfectly fine. But if you're going to put in a system where you're testing these guys, what's the point of testing them if there's no ramifications for testing positive? It's ridiculous. It's one of the many things wrong with this sport. But um, selfishly as a fan, obviously I would like the fight to take place. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. said he's fine with it. He's, he's ready to fight. So now it's really down to like the region and the, and the sanctioning bodies and the venue and all that stuff. 
they'll get it sorted out. The fight is Saturday, if it does happen. Um, but I, I can see both sides of this. Obviously, there's a lot of money on the table. Tickets have been sold. This is a massive event in the UK. But at the same time, it's like, where do we draw a line? You guys are going to let these people take whatever they want and still fight. So it's funny when people say, like, guys like Jake Paul or these YouTubers or celebrities are bad or making boxing look bad. Like, no, boxing doesn't need help looking bad. Boxing does plenty of bullshit that makes people look and say, huh, that's really going on in that sport here? That's ridiculous. This is just one of the many examples. If this fight goes through, it's it's insane, really. But like I said, wild, wild west. This sport is not like any other sport. Um, but you got to take the good with the bad. And this probably will be a bad thing, especially, say, if, um, if Conor Ben is on something, comes out and knocks out Chris Eubank Jr., then people will really be saying, what the hell is going on here? But with that said, if the fight does take place, I got Chris Eubank Jr. I don't really see it being too difficult for him. I get the weight cut is a factor. His dad is against it, saying um, weight cutting is something that can really hurt a fighter, really lead to um, deteriorating his punch resistance and things like that, which is absolutely true. But Chris Eubank seems to be fine with it. Um, he doesn't walk around too heavy. I don't think the weight cut will be that much of a factor for him. And I don't think that highly of Conor Ben. I think Conor Ben does have some pop in his punches. He's a good fighter, but I don't think he's anywhere near elite. And I think his actions have kind of shown that where he's looking for fights like... Ad he was calling out guys like Adrian Broner, who has a great legacy in the sport as a fighter, but isn't or at least hasn't proven that he's anywhere near top level in the last few years. So I don't know why you're calling out a guy like a guy like Adrian Broner other than to capitalize off his name and money, which is fine. This is a this is a prize fighting business. This is a business first and foremost. These guys do need to make money for taking the punishment that they go through and dealing with the things they do. But if you're looking for the legacy fight, you're calling out guys and you could still make money with these fights as well. You're calling out guys in that division like Terrence Crawford, like Errol Spence, like Keith Thurman, like um, Jerron Boots Ennis, and things like that. There's plenty of other fights in the welterweight division for Conor Ben, especially a guy like Adrian Broner, who hasn't fought at, at welterweight in a while anyway. So I don't know why he's doing that, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what kind of skills the kid has. He's unproven. Chris Eubank has fought much better guys than him. He's fought Billy Joe Saunders. He's fought Arthur Abraham. He's fought George Groves. He's fought James DeGale. He's been in the ring with some tough, tough fighters. And I just think his movement is better. His reflexes are better. He fights in the same style. I'm not comparing him to this guy, but he fights in the same style as Roy Jones. And that's because he was trained by Roy Jones. So he does fight in that reflex-heavy, um, super quick, hands-down kind of, um, his athleticism really jumps off the page, jumps off the screen. So I think he could win this fight fairly easily and possibly by stoppage. But Conor Ben does have a uh, does pack a punch, and and now I mean he's clearly on something, judged by the test that he failed. So we'll see what happens. I think it could be a fun one. Um, we'll see if it takes place though. It's still up in the air. I don't want to spend too much time breaking it down because. Like I said, it could be a waste of my time. Um, other than that, what else do we have on this weekend? That is about it for this weekend. Some really fun fights. One that we don't know if we're going to get. But if that does take place, it will be earlier in the day, UK time. So 
Um, if you're on the East Coast, it'll probably be around 5 p.m. Eastern. Check your local listings for that one, depending on where you're where you're watching this. And the Showtime event, which should be the better card, starts on YouTube at 8 p.m. Eastern, but is on Showtime main channel at 10 p.m. Eastern. That pretty much wraps up this weekend's fight. In other news, you still have the drama surrounding Earl Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford. Reports that the fight is not going to take place in November. As previously reported, it would be. I think everyone really needs to take blame for that. I don't like picking sides here. I am an Earl Spence fan, but I'm not going to sit here and just blame Terrence Crawford. There's conflicting reports out. um, People saying that it's Terrence Crawford that isn't taking a guarantee. He's pretty much willing to do whatever it takes to make this fight. He just wants to see the paperwork and see what kind of percentage he can get on the back end since there's no guarantee he's willing to make pretty much all of his money off pay-per-view sales and ticket sales and things like that. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if that's true. Um, Max Kellerman and Mike Coppinger are the guys reporting it. Take whatever they say with a grain of salt. They both have agendas. Um, Both guys work for ESPN. Obviously, they are a little biased towards Terrence Crawford, who had an extremely long reign with ESPN. Mike Coppinger, before he worked for ESPN, seemed to be a little less biased now that he has that gig, which is a great job. I would take the job, of course. Once he got that job, you kind of could tell the difference immediately. He became a little more biased. He became a little more selective in what he was reporting. And it's clear. I mean, it's he's not even trying to hide it, really. And Max Kellerman is a historian of the sport. I love to hear his opinions on certain fights and certain boxers and where he ranks guys all time and stuff like that. He's a historian. He's watched more boxing than I have. The guy knows his shit when it comes to this sport. With that being said, he also has his narratives that he sticks with. He did it in HBO, and he's doing it with ESPN. He's very biased towards those fighters, towards their promotions. And he's always, for some reason, even back in his HBO days, had an issue with Al Heyman. I don't know what it is. Maybe he snubbed him before in person. Maybe there's something else we don't know about. But he's always had kind of a bone to pick with Al Heyman. And in the latest coverage of this fight, they seem to blame Al Heyman specifically for this fight not taking place. Now, again, I'm blaming everyone. I'm blaming them all. If this fight doesn't take place, which I'm, I believe it's going to, just not in November, I do believe it's going to take place. But if it doesn't, if these guys do not make this fight happen and make it happen next, it is embarrassing for everyone involved. I don't care what your name is. If you're in the office during these negotiations... It's bad for you. Joe Schmo in the corner, lawyer. It's bad for you. Whoever is involved, it is embarrassing, and you should all be ashamed if this doesn't take place. Terrence Crawford and Earl Spence, I promise you guys, if you do not fight each other next, I will not make a podcast about your fights. I will not pay money to see your fights. I will not stream your fights. I will not recommend your fights. I will wash my hands clean of both of your careers. And I promise you that. And I know Juan Acevedo, his money isn't going to make or break these guys' careers. And I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying I will be done personally. I will be done with these two gentlemen. And if I seen them 
in person, I would let them know how embarrassing they are because they've strung along this promotion, basically, for a year. They've held up the division for better part of a year. Yes, Earl Spence fought Ugas in a unification fight, and he gets all the credit in the world for that. But even after that fight, and before the fight, really, he was alluding to Terrence Crawford being next. Terrence Crawford hasn't had a fight this entire calendar year because he's well, he's ready to fight Errol Spence next. So if these guys don't make it happen in their next fight, this will be a huge black eye on the sport of boxing. It will be terrible. You're literally holding up an entire division. We've got guys like Boots Ennis, Virgil Ortiz, Keith Thurman, uh, Stan Jonas, all in line for title shots, and you're holding it up because they have all the belts. So there's nothing these guys can do. They can't fight for belts. They can fight each other, absolutely, and they should get a little blame for that. They should make these fights happen. But there's no champion active. That's sad if that happens. But again, like I said in the beginning of this little rant, I do believe it's going to happen. Um, Earl Spence actually tweeted today, it's next, that's all you need to know, that's what he said, so I'll take his word for it, I believe the fight does happen, his name's the truth, so hopefully he's telling the truth here, Earl Spence, Terrence Crawford, whenever it takes place, is going to be the best fight in the sport of boxing, the best, the biggest, all of that, it's going to have the best hype, it will deliver, but these two guys need to sit down and make it happen, and it really shouldn't be that difficult, if I'm Al Heyman or whoever's in charge of this promotion, I simply go to these guys and say, hey, what's it going to take for you to make this fight happen? Oh, that's your price? You got it. Next guy, what's it going to take to make this fight happen? Oh, that's your price? Sign right here. You got it. Make this thing a massive event. Promote it during the NFL games. Promote it on Fox. Promote it on Showtime. Promote it on ESPN. Promote it everywhere, and you will have a huge event. Millions and millions and millions are waiting to see this fight. Make the fight happen. That's all I have to say about that. In other news, um, I think Tank Davis and, speaking of big fights, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia seem to be close. I'm a big believer of when the hype starts kicking up and getting real and consecutive, that's when I think a fight is about to happen. And these two gentlemen have been going at it for years, but more consistently in the last few months, um, not really letting up, making IG videos. I believe Ryan Garcia said Tank Davis grabbed his chain in the club or whatever, and they're going back and forth. Tank Davis posting memes of Floyd Mayweather. He always does that around a big fight. I think this fight is going to happen. Oscar De La Hoya was on a golf course saying that the fight is, is close to being made. That's another massive event. If you guys can get get together in the room in a room with Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather and have press conferences and stuff like that, go on a tour around the world. This will be just as big, if not bigger, than Spence Crawford, given the following that each guy has. Both guys have a tremendous following and from different demographics. If you go to a Tank Davis fight, you see more of the hip-hop crowd. If you go to a Ryan Garcia fight, uh, you definitely see hip-hop crowd as well, but you see more of a younger audience, you see more females in the audience, both guys bring out celebrities from all sports, so if these two guys get together, it'll be a massive event as well, hopefully we can get both of these fights, the Terrence Crawford fight, 
against Earl Spence and the Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis fight. I don't care if it happens midway through next year. Both of these fights happen within the next 16 months. Then that's all that we really need to carry the sport. Because if you get two massive events and then you sprinkle in the non-pay-per-view fights that we already get on Showtime and Fox and DAZN and ESPN and all that, you really have the ingredients to catapult the sport into an even better place than it is now. And I already think this is a golden era with all the talent that we have. You make these fights happen, you're really going to capitalize and make more money than this sport has seen in a while. Speaking of big money, I'll be back next week to talk big time boxing because next week is probably the most loaded weekend of the year in terms of quantity and quality, really, because you have the return of Deontay Wilder, you have Caleb Plant on the undercard, you have Devin Haney versus Cambosos too, you have Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall, you have Michaela, Bum- Michaela Mayer versus Alicia Bumgarner, you have a loaded day, October 15th, that is going to be insane, and I will break it down in next week's episode, so stay tuned, give me that five-star review, Share it, like it, subscribe to it, do all that fun stuff. Enjoy the fights. I'm out.